3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning and welcome to Monday Breakfast here on 855am 3CR Radical Radio. My name is James and I'm joined by Grace and no Rob today. Yes, Rob is on a break, but we hope that they, they're going to have a great time and join us next week. Uh, for all I know, Rob is lounging uh, by the river in Brisbane reading, and that just sounds <laughs> delightful. So love to you, Rob. Hope you're doing well out there. And if you're listening, hope we live up to your lofty standards. <laughs> How was your weekend, Grace? It was good. I think I was just being trying to be as productive as pos- possible. Counting down, two weeks. Crunch time, two, two weeks, weeks to go until study's done. Yes, and this Ooh. is my most crucial week because I'm really bring it, pushing in to get my assignments done because it's literally due next week. And I have like four of them due, so yes, I'm hoping to get there. This week is very crucial for me, so it's going to be busy. I'm getting off social media for the entire week. Whoa. It's the first time I think I'm actually doing this because I'm usually quite prone to going on social media every day. So mm. this is a bit new that I'm managed to get off. It's been two, three days. So yeah, getting there. Hopefully, bit of a, it's bit of a social media detox. Yes, I, I think Ooh. I need that as well, especially because um, I felt quite homesick the weeks before, mm. and going on social media did really help that. So that sounds no. like <laughs> I need to cut off. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very healthy. Yeah. Especially in uh, today's news cycle, which is pretty intense. Mm. A bit of a detox might be a good idea. Yeah. For listeners out there, sometimes it's quite helpful and useful to get off social media because as much as there's a lot of positive stuff going on there that you want to know about and then getting on get, getting on the news, but it's good to have a bit of a detox and getting away from the negativity that's mm. in the world out there right now. So. Well, it's so stimulating, isn't it? There's yeah. just so much information all the time. Boom, boom, boom. Mm. And sometimes you don't know if that's the actual information, you know. Social yeah. media is not exactly the most accurate unless you're getting reliable sources. No. So, yeah. mm. it's, a, it's a brave new world out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, how was your weekend, James? My weekend, on a personal note, was very nice and a lovely time. Uh, had the uh, the awards night for my all-gender pub football team, wow. which was beautiful. A lot of beautiful souls there who all dressed up very beautifully as well. It's amazing seeing how people look so different compared to when they're in sweaty gym gear, active wear, and then they <laughs> they dress up for an awards night, and it's like, oh, the, the difference is amazing. Mm. So I had a nice night there and did some music as well. Can't complain too much. Uh, of course, the elephant in the room is the voice vote was over the weekend, and the no vote got up. Um, so I'd just like to send uh, thoughts to anyone, especially First Nations communities, who are having a tough time uh, with that result. Uh, I know that this week has been declared a week of mourning uh, for First Nations people. Yep. Uh, so just sending our thoughts and love out there, and I hope things can uh, 
can improve and we can keep moving forward on that front as well. Yep, and if there's anyone who needs to seek help and wants to talk to someone, you can go to Lifeline at 131114 or 13 Yan at 13129276. You can call those numbers to seek help and assistance. Mm, well said. Want to go to some headlines, Grace? Yep. So going all the way to international news now, in regards to the Israel-Hamas war, as of 4 a.m. this morning, the United Nations Agency Supporting Palestinian Refugees said that on Sunday that Israel's deadly strikes on Gaza have led to an unprecedented human catastrophe. As of now, Gaza's death toll have risen up to 2,670 with 9,600 injured. All this is reported according to The Guardian. And Philip Lazzarini, the Commissioner General of the United Nations Agency supporting Palestinian refugees, said that at the moment, Gaza has no longer be able to have enough humanitarian assistance because for the last eight days, not a little fuel has been allowed in the Gaza Strip, and that includes water and wheat. So, but uh, in regards to talks between the US President Joe Biden and Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel Energy Minister Israel said that water supply was resuming to the southern of Gaza. Since October 7, Israeli airstrikes have killed at least 2,670 Palestinians with more than 9,600 9, more are wounded, and this is according to Gaza's health ministry. As of October 14th, it is said that at least 724 dead are children and 458 are women. Uh, in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, New Zealand has just had an election and has abandoned Labour and shipped to the right as the country votes for wholesale change. The party, once led by Jacinda Ardern, suffers a serious election defeat amid anger over cost of living and strict COVID policies. And New Zealand voters have delivered a forceful rejection of that Labour government as a surge in support for the National Party delivered what analysts describe as a bloodbath for the government, and a new right-leaning era for politics in the country. The result marked a dramatic change in fortunes for the Labour Party, which three years earlier, led by Jacinda Ardern, secured a historic mandate, but saw its support dwindle in the face of rising cost of living crises and the COVID pandemic. In other news, uh, moving to Australia, uh, the Cabinet in Australia is considering interim listening mechanism after the resounding no vote on The Voice. The Albanese government plans to let the dust settle after Saturday's loss, with focus potentially shifting to state-based voice and treaty processes. So Federal Cabinet is meeting to discuss the Albanese government's next steps to address Indigenous disadvantage, with senior government figures are favouring an interim listening mechanism to provide advice directly to the Prime Minister. After the resounding defeat of the voice to Parliament on Saturday night, uh, The Guardian Australia understands that the government will consider on Monday options, including a new short-term policy advisory group reporting to the Prime Minister. And TikTok has said it has acted to curb disinformation regarding the Israel-Hamas war. This move comes after the United Union, the European Union has wrote to social media platform calling on it to step up 
its efforts over illegal con uh, illegal content. The company, which is owned by China's ByteDance, said in a statement that it had quoted immediately mobilized significant resources and personnel to help maintain the safety of our community and integrity of our platforms. At the moment, more than it has removed more than five hundred thousand videos and closed eight thousand live streams in the region. They have come. The social, the social media companies have repeatedly come under scrutiny during periods of the war, and that has included Russia's invasions of Ukraine, fighting over the disputed religion of Nagorno-Karabakh, and so now this also includes the war between Hamas and Israel. Great. Uh, so we're going to go to a uh, pre-recorded interview today uh, from the Raising Our Voices show, uh, where Chris interviews self, self-advocate Heather, Shona and James, who speak up about their experiences as people with intellectual disabilities, with bullying and discrimination. They talk about how these experiences of bullying and discrimination have affected them and share their ideas about what they think should change in the community, like the need for more disability awareness. And this is an excerpt of a longer discussion. And to hear the full interview, you can simply go to the Raising Our Voices page on the 3CR website. In today's show, Heather, Shona and James will be sharing with us about bullying I'll hand it over to Heather. Thank you, Chris. My name is Heather and I'm a South African and I'm a part of Green for Self-Africacy and also Positive Power for Parents. I'll hand it over to Shona. Hi, my name is Shona. I am a self-advocate and I am part of Halisay Bendigo. I'll pass it over to James. Hi, my name is James. I am part of a self-advocacy group called Reinforce. Heather, Shona and James will be talking to us about their experience with intellectual people with with disabilities on bullying and discrimination, so how it affect us and how they are coping now. So now, what experience have you had with being discriminated and being bullied? I was bullied at school when I was a child. Name called and teased. I I was bullied at school when I was a child, and um, one just special two of the special schools I was at, and I was getting in trouble by teachers for nothing. And at one of the primary schools I went to, um, I was getting in trouble for standing near my sisters and they my sisters wanted me to and I and it affected me really badly I was treated very differently at school than other ones some students were getting volunteer jobs but I wasn't and that really affected me 
and I was, I've been bullied by teenagers and I've been and oh, getting called names a lot and, oh, and it's, oh, I'm getting really upset about it and and I've been discriminated by bus drivers and taxi drivers. So what did the taxi drivers say? And some of the taxi drivers just didn't talk to me much and some of them were charging too much and some of them were asking for m- more uh, extra money. And one day, uh, a taxi driver asked me, we nearly charged me and me and Chris a hundred dollars. And tell us about um, the experience you had on the bus being bullied. Um, and bus drivers have told me not to sing on the buses, but they've let other people do it. And they've told me to turn my turn the songs off. And they've never told other passengers to do that. How about other passengers? They were actually picking on you too, weren't they? And miming you. And mocking your seat. Yeah, and there was, and there was other passengers that were um, bu- bullying me on buses, and they were copying me uh, my singing, but mucking it up because they were adding bad words into it. Mm, that sounds really awful. Well, oh yes, um, and when I um when I was put in care, uh, um, then one day I started feeling like uh, my family was not my family. I felt like my mum was not my mum, my dad was not my dad, and felt like my sisters were not my sisters, and I felt like that for years. I still feel like it sometimes, but even though I'm out of care now and back with my family, I still feel like it sometimes. And um, how did you feel when, uh, well, when you got like put into care and put away from your parents? I felt really upset. I didn't like it. I felt like I was abandoned. And did they allow you to keep contact with the? Your mum and sisters? No. No, I didn't get to do that. When I was first put in care, um, the, the guardian would not let me and mum and my sisters talk to each other or write letters to each other. We were not allowed to do anything and we were not allowed to see each other. And then I... And Sonia, you had experience at human services, didn't you? Oh yeah, um, at an organisation where I was doing programs, um, I got I experienced domestic violence there because I was picked up off a chair by three workers, and they dropped me on the floor and then laughed <laughs> like that, very loud, and. I was only playing. I said I was just pretending to be a hen and they kept telling me to be quiet while I was sitting on the chair. But 
I said, I'm just pretending to be a hen. And then that's when they ended up picking me up off the chair and dropping me off on the floor. And, and I could have got, and I could have badly been injured. That's terrible. You could have even got your back broken or something. Yeah. And then I had to call the police that night. And, but they didn't get arrested or anything. Anything else like to add of any other experience you've had in the past or, spirit or what's happened recently? And last year, I was n- nearly attacked by a worker for another organisation and when I was doing program adult social group and then not. And I was nearly attacked by a, that worker, and he nearly punched me in the face. Mm. And Sona, how do you feel now that you're out of care and you're with your family again? How do you feel now? I feel really happy I'm out of care now. Well, that's good that you feel happy. And and I've been having bad experience with state trustees because. They are not listening. They think they're the boss of my money and me when they're not. Well, that's very important to actually stand up for yourself and that's self-advocacy that you're doing for yourself, isn't it? Yes. Okay, anything else to add before we go to Heather? Um, no. Okay, over to Heather with her experiences. I faced bullying and discrimination for most of my life in primary school, high school, and even when I was at TAFE. I was also being treated differently from the other students. And I was even abused by my grade six teacher. That's terrible. Yeah, and I was also teased about the music I was listening to. I also had my personal belongings taken from me when I was in high school and I was getting blamed for other students bullying me. Mm-hmm. And for most of my life, I've had things disappearing from my own bedroom and they would never turn up. And with being abused by my teacher, I was too scared to tell my parents or even my grandmother because I was scared that they would not believe me or I would get into more trouble. Mm. That sounds like you had a bit of a bad experience there. Yeah, and it just feels like it's one bad thing after another. Did you tell anyone about those things that have been taken? Um. Back then, I didn't, but uh, I do speak up now about the things disappearing from my bedroom, but 
I'm not being taken seriously about it. Oh, that's awful, Heather. Yeah. Because I was bullied and being discriminated against, it has caused me more problems in my life. And I'll let you know about that later on in the show. Okay, James, what experience have you had with being bullied? Thank you. And I have been teased at school and bullied at school and picked on at school and also teased in the community. That's terrible. That's terrible. I also have been pushed off public transport, um, whacked in the face with the fishing rods and also people pushing me off the tr- off transport. That's awful, James. That is awful. Did you do anything about it? I went to my local police station to report it, actually. Well, that's good. That, that's a good idea. And what did the police say? Uh, I can't, I can't remember actually. Well, that's okay. Anything else that you add? Heather's got a question. Heather. James, I, I actually get pushed around on public transport when I get it off the train or buses because I, they say I'm too slow. Yeah, that's happened to me too actually. It's not good. People need to have more patience for people with a disability. Mm. They do. And and they don't leave the the part vacant where the wheelchairs go, actually. That was Heather, Shona and James talking to Chris from Raising Our Voices on their experiences as people with intellectual disability with bullying and discrimination. That was an excerpt of a longer discussion and to hear the full interview, just go to 3cr.org.au slash Raising Our Voices. Because the Palestinian fight isn't just the Palestinians' fight, it's all our fight, because it's a fight not just about land, it's about a fight for freedom. Everybody should be standing here today saying, free Palestine. Solidarity with our Palestinian brothers and sisters on behalf of the Bumbanja Nation, my people who've never ceded their sovereignty. We should be recognising Palestine as a state and recognising the rights of Palestinians. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. I want to break free. Do you want to create safe spaces or become an employer of choice for LGBTIQA plus communities in Melbourne's north? Pride in the North is proud to present their inaugural summit, Beyond the Rainbow Lanyard, taking place on the 3rd of November in South Morang. Hear from diverse voices and help create change to improve the health and well-being of LGBTIQA plus communities across Melbourne's northern region, from Mitchell Shire to Hume, Whittlesea and Banyal local government areas. 
For more information and registration, go to www.pracc.com.au forward slash tickets. Pride in the North is a 3CR support. I want, I want to Vibe Union is bringing exciting, ongoing showcases of local talent across Melbourne. This creative collective provides a supportive platform to upcoming artists, hosting poetry open mic nights, intimate singer-songwriter evenings, and hip-hop showcases. Head along to one of their events for a welcoming night of creativity, or see how you can get involved at vibeunion.com.au. Vibe Union is a 3CR supporter.
clothes don't understand. I come from water. I come from. That was "Return Home" by Bumpy. Now, last week, Rope spoke with Kyrian Stewart Ashton, who is the traditional owner from the UN Nation and president of the Black People's Union, to talk about how the Voice to Parliament campaigns have affected the Black sovereignty and liberation movements. Now, we want to note that this interview was recorded before the results of us announced, so please take the the caution there. So now, let's take let's take a listen. How do you think the voice to parliament has impacted the Black Liberation and Sovereignty movement? It's had a really big impact on our movement.、Um, right throughout the whole year, it's really impacted our movement. All of our energy has been diverted away from our traditional cause, so you know stuff like land rights and implementation of the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody,、um, you know, stopping deaths in custody, stopping our high child removal rates, etc., etc. All of that energy. Has been pulled away from these movements and diverted into this referendum, either you know through people campaigning on the yes side or people trying to combat it and campaigning on the no side. But you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's fully sapped away all of that energy from our grassroots movements, and it's actually been one of the main reasons why this was proposed in the first place to do just that. You know, the Howard government first proposed it back in the nineties, and then again in two thousand and seven. As a response to our growing land rights movements and our growing cause for treaty,、um, and you know the whole reason it came about was simply to undermine our grassroots. Even leading up to the referendum, that our energy has really been sucked out of it,、um, sucked out of all of these movements, and that's without the referendum even going through yet. You know, I remember like at the the day of action for stopping black deaths in custody, Senator Lydia Thorpe was talking about. How some yes voters have kind of just viewed just voting yes as a sort of endpoint in their allyship. Do you think that will continue after the voice,、um, you know, after the results have been announced?、Um, yeah, I definitely do. You know, not everyone who was out there campaigning yes, obviously, but definitely a high portion of them will, you know, think that everything's solved now. The Black Australia's problems have been solved, and you know they've addressed colonialism. And everyone can give themselves a good old pat on the back. There's no more racism anymore, and we can move forward because we've got this voice now to address all the issues. I do very much believe that there will be a lot of people out there who have that mentality if the voice ends up getting up,、um, you know, going forward into the future. And you know, that being said, I do hope that there is still a lot of people who were campaigning yes who will continue to show up to all these grassroots movements and show up to all our events and you know back us in our struggle the whole way, but. There is a quite a lot of these yes campaigners who simply think that the job's done now, and that's it. They don't have to worry about black affairs anymore. What do you see happening if the voice to parliament doesn't get up?、Um, if it doesn't get up, what I would love to see happen is two things.、Um, first off, hopefully that puts the nail in the coffin of this whole constitutional recognition agenda. This will be the fourth time now that the government has tried to push this onto us over the last two decades. The first three times we said no, we shut it down before. Already even got to the referendum stage. Hopefully, you know, if it gets shut down in an actual referendum, 
no future governments are going to want to entertain this idea and we can just move on from it. Um, that's the first thing I'd love to see happen. The yeah. second thing I'd really love to see happen, though, is the conversation going back to what it was back in the 80s and back in the 90s when this whole constitutional recognition agenda was first proposed. And that was, you know, a conversation around treaty and around land back and around actual sovereignty and self-determination. That's what we need to put our energy into. That's what we need to make our cause for. We need to be out there championing the rights of Indigenous people and our sovereignty, and we need to be out there pushing for our rights to manage our own affairs. At the end of the day, we know through countless reports from right across the world in sectors like education and health and you know multiple other sectors, we know that people who are experiencing disproportionate stats and who are experiencing oppression and exploitation under these systems, the best thing that anybody can do to give them equality and equity and a equal platform in society is to give them control over their own affairs. We know this. There's so many hundreds of reports out there around the world that confirm this. Having yeah. an advisory body is not having control over our own affairs. What we need yeah. to address our high deficit in custody, our stolen children, our world's highest suicide rate, and you know that 10-year life expectancy gap, et cetera, et cetera, what we need to address these things is actual control over our own affairs because we know what's best for us. We know what it is that we actually need, and we need to be able to do that instead of having some paternalistic government in their paternalistic racism decide that they know what's best for us and that you know we need the white man to come in and be benevolent and be our saviour and to liberate us for us. How do you think that conversation will like should be shifted towards that attitude? So what we need to do to get to this point is we need to really get the left in Australia on board. Now, when I say left, I'm being very generous with the term. Um, unfortunately, not just in Australia, but right across the entire West, when we look at what we, you know, quote unquote, you know, left, what we call the left, quite often they're not actually left. They're centralists and they're neoliberals. Now, these ideals are very much rooted in European politics. They're not ideals that apply to First Nations people. They're not ideals that we've ever had ourselves. And they're ideals that we need to reject. But not just First Nations people. When we look at working class struggles right across the world and the entire history of working class struggle, we see that neoliberalism has always been the enemy of that. But over here in Australia and across the rest of the West, you know, what we think of as our left, you know, parties like the Greens and Labour and, you know, even some of those more like socialist parties, you know, I'm again being generous with the term socialist here. Um, mm. When we look at these sort of parties and organisations, we see that they're not actually economically or politically left. And what we really need to do is mobilise that actual real left in Australia and we have to educate those who aren't a part of that real left in Australia so that they can get on board with the working class struggle here and then we can actually start to see some real progress. So, you know, that is something that we are trying to do in the Black People's Union. Um, it's part of the reason why we run free public online education classes um, on politics and on history so that we can try and, you know, put some of that education out there. Um, we've also been doing stuff like, you know, regularly going to panels, um, guest lecturing at unis, putting out articles and statements and just trying to change that entire narrative in Australia, not just around First Nations affairs, but around the entire working class struggle. Because until we change this narrative, 
we're not going to see any change for blackfellas or for the non-Indigenous working class here. As I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, this is more within the mainstream media and I guess like mainstream conversations about the voice as like a sort of very binary and unnuanced attitude of, you know, if you vote yes, you stand with Indigenous people, but if you vote no, you're just racist. Do you think that has sort of admitted space for criticism of the Yes campaign? Yes, definitely. And not just the Yes campaign, but again, like, you know, (laughs) I hate to bang on about it, but the so-called left in Australia. Mob have been opposed to this for two decades. For two decades, we've been fighting against this. And it was only in the last couple of months that you've had these conservative right-wingers come out in opposition to constitutional recognition and to the voice. And, you know, the only reason they've come out in opposition is because they want to undermine Labor. It's not because they actually stand against constitutional recognition of blackfellas. It was originally a conservative uh, proposal. It's only because Labor proposed it, and they're not in power, and they need to undermine Labor so they can get more votes at the next election. But this whole dichotomy and this whole binary of, you know, yes is good and no is right-wing and conservative just really highlights to me how much the average working class is completely disconnected to First Nations struggles. If the working class and if all these so-called progressives out there were actually aware of First Nations struggles and are actually on board with our struggles, they would have known for the last two decades that no is a position that progressive blackfellas have always taken on this constitutional recognition and this voice. And the right wouldn't have had an opportunity to claim that narrative in the first place. So to me, you know, that really highlights the lack of engagement in Australia with First Nations politics and First Nations struggles by non-Indigenous people. Okay. I was listening to the Sovereignty and Time of the Voice panel you were on recently, um, and you were talking a little bit about how sort of in the space of 12 months or so, the Sovereignty movement in general has kind of moved from supporting a republic to now backing you know, this powerless voice to parliament. Can you speak to what it has been like to watch that change sort of evolve? Yeah, um, great question. Look, it's it's very disappointing, um, you know, to say the least. It's also a bit, it's a bit confusing as well. Because, you know, 12 months ago, we had the death of Queen Elizabeth. And back then we had so many people, both black and white, you know, coming out talking about how Australia should move away from the monarchy and, you know, federate into its own republic. And there was a lot of black fellas who were a part of this discussion as well. You know, black fellas who at the time had identified themselves as sovereign black fellas. And now 12 months later, we've got these same people who only 12 months ago were talking about getting rid of the constitution and the monarchy. They're now out there campaigning for First Nations people to be assimilated into the monarchy and into the constitution. And it's, yeah, it's, I have no answers as to why they've done this and why they've taken this approach. Um, to me, all it does is bring into question how genuine they were a year ago when they were talking about this stuff or if they were just grifting on these movements for popularity. But, you know, it, it is a very disappointing thing to see. But I would love for the conversations to go back to that, to go back to abolishing this racist constitution and moving away from the monarchy. And, you know, I don't know why people are still out here believing in monarchies and kings and queens anyways. Like, you know, what other fairy tales do they believe in? Do they believe in unicorns as well? 
That's funny. Um, I, I think that's everything I have, Kieran. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the voice and its impact? I just want to point out how ironic it is that, you know, we're out here talking about an advisory body as if it's something new and something great. When we've had dozens upon dozens of advisory bodies going back decades, and it's also really ironic to me that a lot of the talking points that were being pushed by the Yes campaign was that this advisory body would be able to help implement previous recommendations, like the recommendations from the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Hmm. What they're essentially saying, whether they realise it or not, is that they think an advisory body giving advice on prior advice from a prior advisory body is the way to go. Like it's literally, that's what's happening. That's what they're advocating for. And, mm. you know, how many layers of this are we going to push for until we realise that the government simply does not want to implement the advice that's been given? You know, 32 years, those recommendations from the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody have been sitting on a shelf gathering dust somewhere in Parliament House. 32 years they've been sitting there. 32 years any Prime Minister could have implemented them or any State Minister could have implemented them. They haven't. Not because they, you know, haven't had the advice to do it. The advice was given 32 years ago. They haven't because they've chosen not to. And, you know, people hear stuff like the recommendations into Royal Commission, uh, sorry, the recommendations from the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. And, you know, for some people that might sound a bit overwhelming or a bit daunting. We're not talking about massive policy structures changing and massive reforms here. We're talking about basic stuff, like remove hanging points out of cells so that people cannot hang themselves in their cell. You know, very basic, simple stuff, stuff that should nearly be common sense and stuff that doesn't just help First Nations people, but helps everybody who's locked up in those cells. But yet the government is refusing to act on it. And, you know, people as well talk about excuses about, oh, well, the Liberal government was in power for so long. Right now, Labor hold power federally and in every single state and territory except for Tasmania. Right now... Labor could implement those recommendations if they wanted to, but instead we have Labor doing stuff like suspending the Human Rights Act so they can lock 10-year-old kids up in adult watch houses in Queensland and, you know, doing stuff like re-implementing and reconcretizing the Northern Territory intervention. You know, they're not out there with our best wishes at heart. They're not out there listening to us and listening to our voices. They don't want to. They could, but they're choosing not to. And giving them even more recommendations to fall on deaf ears is not the way forward. And that was Rob speaking to Kieran Stewart-Asherton, the traditional owner from the UN Nation and president of the Black People's Union, discussing about the Voice to Parliament campaigns and how has this affected the Black sovereignty and liberation movement. Now we want to note this again, that this interview was recorded before the results was announced. Now we're going to go into a song. This is called Take No More by Kian and Emma Donovan. We show up, take no more. Black at the heart, take no more. True in our love, take no more.
was Take No More by Kian and Emma Donovan. Now we're going to be joined by Robbie Thorpe, a 3CR legend, a broadcaster of Bonjul's Fire and a long-time activist on First Nations issues. Uh, Robbie, thanks for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, so, Robbie, it's been a long campaign uh, and we had the voice vote on the weekend, so I just wanted to start off. How are you feeling today after the weekend? Um, personally, I'm I'm fine. I, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have felt the same if if the yes vote had got up. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I was um supporting the no vote. Mm. It was not the fact I don't vote either. That's I might just add that right now. I, I, I've never voted in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I'm glad the, the no vote won. Personally. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so, yes, Australia did vote no. Um, just moving forward, uh, if if we could, what what does the path look like for First Nations peoples in your eyes in, in their plight for better recognition and maybe towards treaty? Are you saying what, was, what did the past look like or what does the future look like? Uh, what does the future look like, the, the next few steps? Um... I think it, uh, it, it may focus on on the issue of treaty now mm-hmm. because um, the constitutional uh, I call it constitutional assimilation has failed mm. and they need to take on um, need to do something else 
and they've run out of options. And uh, I think it's the time for treaty. We mm. talk of treaty in a real way. Something that should have happened 200, 200 years ago. Mm. Do you think that the um, the campaigns, uh, both for yes and no, will maybe translate into a momentum for a treaty uh, as we move forward? I think it's going to be pretty difficult. I, I think Aboriginal people have to... Um, like that. We know that there's 300 Aboriginal nations here. Mm. We've got the right to self-determination and, and sovereignty recognition of their sovereignty, every last one of them. Um, uh, We're currently working, and I am, I'm currently working on um, a legal position on it. And and, and we know that the the courts in this country are reluctant to deal with Aboriginal people in in an appropriate way. So we're looking to the international arena Mm. in terms of... um, force on Australia to uh, um, acknowledge our people. Something like uh, what happened in South Africa. Mm. Sanctions, boycott, exposure. That sort of uh, tactic can be used against Australia. Australia's only a small country, just over 20 million people. And places in the world like Mexico City and I've got... 20 million people in one city. Mm. Australia is a big continent. And it's relying on the rest of the world for its, um, I suppose, existence now. Heavily relying on the rest of the world. So I think if if the rest of the world knows the true story there, Australia is in trouble. That's Mm. why I think they wanted us into that constitution first. Yeah, it's sort of, um, you know, it's, it's been an issue that's been around for a long time. The mm. average, I call it the Aboriginal problem. And uh, so they're, they're not really going to do it in this country. So we have to do it ourselves. Mm. That's my advice for my people is, is um, get your mobs organised in your own country. And... Uh, um, we can support each other in this. That's what we've had to do in the past, and that's a, that's what um, is going to happen in the future. And I think it's, this boat has really crystallised a lot of things for us, and it's going to um, force us to do the things that we, um, um, like I just said. Yeah, so you noted the international arena. There's, there's a bit of inspiration. You noted uh, South Africa, for one. Um, is New Zealand's uh, treaty something that we can look to as well, as something that we could use to uh, as inspiration? Well, I think all the treaties around the world, especially the ones that are, you know, um, have got something to offer. You know, we've got hindsight, Black Australia, on all these treaties that we've done. Uh, I think it was 1840 when um, Maori Treaty was done, uh, and uh, I think that was um, done from out of the uh, Australian, out of um, out of Australia. That that treaty was done from out of Australia, so they're not. Um, I don't, they know what they know what it's about. 
Australia. Mm. You know, they, um, you know, they, they, that treaty was done via um, Botany Bay. Oh, right, yeah. So, uh, and, and just before that was Batman's treaty in 1835. Ah. You know, people should have a good look at Batman's treaty. There's a lot of history there. And um, out of Batman's treaty became um, Victoria, and, and Victoria became the first constitution. Mm. So that's what we need to be looking at, and, and the, the validity of that. Australia's a crime scene, basically. It's, got no, it's not... It's, it's got no uh, foundation, legal foundation. Mm. What is it? Terra nullis. And, and people need to look at the issue of native title and how that applies to the people of Victoria. Because it don't. It's rubbish. Mm. So it's still wide open. I've, I, I, I'm, um, I'm not... Um, Concerned about what happened at the voice, I could see that was going to happen. Now, mm. We're being set up and used by the political football here. Now, can you can you tell me is, what what jurisdiction do Aboriginal people fall under? Is it the state jurisdiction or the federal one? Mm. I couldn't tell you in all honesty, Robbie. Because at the 1967 referendum said that the federal government took over responsibility for the affairs of Aboriginal people, not the states. Mm. They, they had criminally neglected our people. That's, that's why the, the federal government took over the responsibility. But when it comes to certain issues like native title, the state carries it out. Mm. So, you know, it's, it, it's just using us. They're not really interested in <coughs> true justice. That's what we want. Mm. We're not not set one for anything less. People should get it in the head. No, we're we're a law here. <clears throat> Colonisers are not lawful people. They're invaders. Hey, um, we're going to get the treaty that we want. This is our land. People need to acknowledge our law. Mm. So we're still coming, and. Um, now, when Australia can act legally, morally, and ethically, that's when we might be able to engage with them. But before that, just an ignorant racist society that's in total denial of the reality here. Mm. It's, not, it's hardly a good place to be um, uh, trying to negotiate with them and mm. ask them to do anything for me. I wouldn't bother. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. And that's why people got upset. Because um, Australia would actually do something for them. I could see that was coming. Set themselves up. Mm. I guess the other um, the other thing that might be on the horizon is, of course, Peter Dutton said that he might also try a referendum with a, a different version of the voice. Um, do you think that would play out like it has like this one's played out, Robbie? Well, with John Howard, who <clears throat> actually um, called for constitutional recognition. Isn't that Peter Dutton and that Tony Abbott's party? Mm. Well, John Howard put it up. So how come the, the, that party was um, on the no side? Well, was there was there um, their party that put the legislation up or put the other the referendum up proposal? Constitutional mm. 
recognition come from John Howard. So that's why it was confusing. <clears throat> and, um, you know, the, it was, for average people, it was, a, it was a choice of racism, whether it was you run with the covert racist or the overt racist. Mm. The overt racist. So I'd rather I'd rather deal with an overt racist than a covert one personally. Mm. That was a choice for me. You know, Labor Party's been around for a long time, longer than the Liberal Party. They never secured the rights of Aboriginal people. You know, what happened to the Genocide Convention? And who's responsible for the NT intervention? All those things. They didn't do nothing. So you know, we just don't trust them. I don't. I'd never trust that. needs to be a proper um, internationally scrutinised treaty process. Otherwise, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And um, <clears throat> Australia's just still on the nose, legally, to the rest of the world. You know, they tell all these stories. How can they be moralising about genocide and terrorism elsewhere in the world, Australia? And that's exactly what they're responsible for. Mm. Mm. Why, why are they talking about Ukraine? Why are they talking about Israel, Palestine? You know, people should have a look in their own backyard before they open their mouths. Mm. Anyway, it's all coming. <clears throat> and what's happened is um, this no vote is, is actually um, focused the whole thing. I think Australia should feel ashamed of itself. I've always thought that. Mm. It's mm. shameless. Racist society, and that's why we're in the condition. What, what do you think? Do people really think that we need to be managed by people from the northern hemisphere? Mm. Really? How, how, how dare they? Mm. You know, they're disgusting, and they're responsible for all these problems in the world today. Mm. These Western liberal democracies, colonisers, particularly the British. I think we're the only British colony that hasn't got a treaty. What mm. does that mean? We've been at war for 250 years? Well, it's true. Mm. So, it's, you know, it's, I think it's in the interest of uh, non-Aboriginal people to have us part of their system. Because these issues are only going to get worse. And as... Um, the rest of the world wakes up to Australia, it's going to get worse for them too. Mm. So uh, they, do want, they want to cut a deal. I've got a treat. It's on our terms of reference and conditions. Mm. People interested? Well, they think they're superior here. They don't need to deal with us. Mm. Uh, just what? one more question, Robbie, before we run out of time. Um, if people are interested in getting involved in the in the movement for a treaty and, and want to support and add to that movement, um, what sort of ways can they get involved that come to mind? Um, <clears throat> I would send them to the black places like the Black Sovereign Movement, mm-hmm. um, the Black uh, People's Union. Uh, they're the ones who are... Uh, we were talking the, uh, the, the right language in regard to that. But you know, before you do treaties, you need to acknowledge our sovereignty. Mm. So is that going to happen? And, and before you get to a, a treaty process, you need to stop your genocide. 
You can't negotiate while there's um, hostilities going on. It needs to acknowledge the history of this country. And, and people need to know why they're going to have a treaty. You think, do you think most Australians understand the history of Australia? Mm. Or, or, or are aware of it? I know free CR probably would be, but you know, mainstream Australia doesn't understand the history of Australia. Mm. They don't know it. They haven't been taught it and deliberately kept from them. So it's all, it's all managed and controlled by the state. And the blood's on their head. So um, I'd be looking for uh, um, people like the Black Sovereign Movement for, for some guidance and, and direction for treaty business. It always goes back to the people whose country you're standing on, understanding what happened to them and, and, and finding out who they are and, and supporting them. Mm. See what they want to do on their country, and that's that's where we can get to a treaty post proper one that's controlled and managed by the people whose whose country it is, not anybody else. Mm. We don't need anybody speaking on our behalf. We don't need voices speaking for us. All right, thanks so much, Robbie, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. No worries, mate. Thank you. That was Robbie Thorpe, a 3CR broadcaster and long-time activist. Uh, you can catch Robbie on Wednesdays with his program, Bunjil's Fire. And just a note, uh, Robbie noted that if you're interested in getting behind the treaty, go to the Black Sovereign Movement or the Black People's Union. You might have heard about the Community Radio Plus app, but it's only when you start using it that you'll wonder how you lived without it. You can listen to us wherever you are, at home, work, driving, on public transport, gardening, protesting, or even in the bath. Just search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR. This is a uh, logging operation. Any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're allowed no closer than the bridge down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged. <laughs> I direct that you all leave now. Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? 
from December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter. Bisexual Alliance Victoria is a not-for-profit organisation dedicated to equality and justice for multi-gender attracted people, including bi, pan, regardless of label or no label at all, their partners and allies. Bisexual Alliance runs discussion groups in person and online. The group offers a safe and fun space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your sexual identity and provide peer support. Bisexual Alliance is especially keen to hear from multi-gender attracted people in regional and rural Victoria. Donations of $2 or more to Bisexual Alliance are now tax deductible. For more information, visit our website at bi-alliance.org, email info at bi-alliance.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. A 3CR supporter. I'm bisexual. Promises can disappear Just not rising in the sand Treaty, yeah Treaty now Treaty, yeah Planting of the Union Jack Never changed our law at all Now two rivers run their course Separated for so long I'm dreaming of a brighter day When the waters will be
You're listening to 3CR 855 AM and that was Treaty by Yotu Indi. On October 7, 2023, Israel was bombarded with a surprise attack by a militant group Hamas, where thousands of airstrikes struck from the Gaza Strip. Israeli Prime Minister has officially declared war on Hamas, who resided in Gaza Strip, and warned that this was just the beginning. Vice versa, Gaza has received thousands of missiles coming from Israel, which has killed thousands of people. And as of 4 a.m. this morning, as reported in The Guardian, the United Nations supporting the United Nations ACC supporting for Palestinian refugees have reported Gaza's death toll has risen up to 2,670 and with 9,600 people injured. And according to the Palestinian Health Ministry, as of reported in the ABC just two days ago on October 14th, at least 724 deaths are children and 458 people are women. Until today, Palestine is continuously, continuously battling against 75 years of repression since the establishment of the Israeli state and Nakba. Uh, we just want to note that the Hamas is a militant group and they basically crossed the country from Gaza, killing hundreds of civilians and taking do- uh, dozens hostage. And just giving a bit of a background of the Hamas, they were formed during the first Intifada, which took place from 1987 to 1993. This was a series of uprisings for the Palestinians into the, in the West Bank, the Gaza Strip and East Jerusalem to end the Israel's rule and establish an independent Palestinian state. Now joining me this morning is Hajar Riyad, who is a long-time Palestinian activist and a staunch advocate for Palestine liberation. Hajar has also been involved in several campaigns for climate, refugee and indigenous rights. We are going to be discussing about the Israel-Hamas war and what this means now for the Palestinian people and why it's important to remember to stand with the Palestinian people. Good morning, Hajar. Good morning, Hadi. I'm good. How are you? Good. Awesome. Yeah, Paja, so I just want to first get to know, uh, get you to explain a bit about what is going on with the war currently in regards to this. Yeah, so for about nine days now, um, Gaza has been bombarded with relentless um, shelling bombs, uh, chemical bombs that have been um, targeting civilians. Um, you know, entire residential towers flattened. Um, hospitals, ambulances targeted. Um, these are all um, obviously as a sort of uh, counter from Israel's recent sort of um, statements in saying that they are going to declare not only war on Hamas but war on Gaza. Um, yeah, so right now as we speak, um, people are fleeing uh, from the north to the south still um, as it's been bombed. Um, yeah, and as you say, there's been thousands of casualties. So just to put that into perspective for people, uh, in the Ukrainian war, in about two years, 500 children have died. In about a week, 700 children in Gaza have died. So the severity of this war is just uh, like you know, on a scale that nobody can even imagine. Um, and it's only going to get worse. Mm. And I... And coming to discussion of this war, this attack occurred because of the years of battle with Israel. Do you think this surprise attack was actually of any surprise? How, ha- how has this been a result of Israel escalation? 
Um, I don't think it's an unprecedented attack at all. I think mm. that, um, you know, people on, on Palestinian land, people on occupied land, yeah. um, you know, uh, have been relentless in their pursuit to, you know, kick Palestinians out of their land and continue to dispossess and oppress them. Um, we've seen this, obviously, for 75 years. In 1948, when the Nakba happened, Mm. Over 700,000 people expelled from their homes and, um, you know, fleeing to neighbouring countries to seek refuge. Uh, people who haven't been able to find family since then. Um, yeah, so 75 years of ongoing dispossession of land, of um, just a brutal repressive system where uh, Palestinians are treated as third-class citizens. In the West Bank, we've seen, uh, you know, you know, pogroms against Palestinians, taking them out of their homes. Um, in Gaza, obviously, it's coming up to 16 years now of a total blockade of air, land and sea. Nobody's allowed in or out. Um, yeah, so this is obviously an ongoing uh, genocidal project against the um, Palestinian people. And, um, yeah, that's what sort of has created this tension. Mm. And Hajar, there's, if there's one awful thing, it's the fact that thousands of innocent children and women have been killed and also kidnapped. And this attack actually has brought a lot of misconceptions about the about Palestine because the attack came from the Hamas in from the Gaza Strip, and then a lot a lot of people are standing with this if with Israel, and especially for people who don't understand the history between Israel and Palestine. How do you think this attack should be viewed as? Well, I think it's clear to note that there's definitely a difference in support when it comes to the general public and support from government uh, officials and, uh, you know, countries that are allying with Israel. Because um, our own government here in Australia has, you know, time and time again offered uh, their unequivocal support to Israel. But uh, yesterday we had at least 15,000 people on the streets of Melbourne uh, saying otherwise. Um, so, yeah, across the world as well, you've had millions of people come out in support of Palestine and the Palestinian cause and the, um, you know, acknowledgement of the 75 years of ongoing oppression. Um, but, you know, government officials are saying otherwise. And I think that that is why uh, what we are doing here is so important in organising, because we have to uh, remind people that we can change the narrative around uh, what is being said because the media isn't going to say that, um, you know, <laughs> there's been over 700 children that have been killed in a single week um, and because obviously they have, a, you know, alignment with the Israeli government um, and that's why we have to, you know, change the status quo that way. Mm. And so, Hajar, how, how do you think this is, how do you think the future is going to look ahead in at the moment for the Palestinian people. I understand that the Gaza is constantly constantly bombarded at the moment and they have this has been going on for many, 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 many years at now. What do you hope is what do you hope comes up from all this? Well I think it's important to highlight that um, even though we've seen uh, many wars come about, um, whether it's the first and the second Intifada, whether it's uh, the twenty twenty one uprisings People on the ground in Gaza have been, you know, saying that we've never seen anything this relentless and this barbaric before. Um, people are 
genuinely uh, concerned and um, have the fear that they will be wiped out, you know, from Gaza, that um, the Israeli government has taken up its final sort of project of uh, ethnic cleansing when it comes to the Gazan people and totally kicking them out of their land. And we're seeing that with how they're sort of, um, you know, directing people to flee the entire south of the Gaza Strip and, um, you know, absolutely, like, going ahead and planning for a ground invasion, which has never happened before. Um, so I think it's important to note that in the coming days, uh, things for Palestinians and the people in Gaza are probably going to get worse. And that's why it's really important to, um, you know, continue to build up uh, resistance on the ground around the world and resistance in, um, you know, not just saying how resistance is viewed in the you know, typical media narrative, but resistance as in people on the streets actually, um, you know, getting out and saying that we know what you guys are doing and we are not going to sit around and stand silent in the face of oppression. Um, so, yeah, I think um, what we are going to see in the next couple of weeks is going to be uh, really brutal and relentless, um, but it's up to us in that way to continue to, you know, be the voice of Palestinian people on the ground and, um, yeah, not uh, let our government get away with greenlighting genocide. Mm. But for those people who still still think that because there's killings happening on there's killing happening on both sides, but then it's also at the end of the day there's been 75 years of repression against the Palestinian people. For the people who don't understand the history, what is the one thing you want them to really remember in regards to stand with, to stand with Palestinian people? I think the one thing that people should remember when it comes to Israel and Palestine is that Israel is one of the most highly militarized uh, nuclear-armed countries in the entire world. Um, This is just a a fact. This is not an opinion. This is something that uh, is public knowledge. People know um, that Israel is an incredibly strong um, imperial power. Um, And Palestine is an occupied uh, land. It's... it's, um, tiny territories um, when you look at the the global map um, and sort of see the continued sort of ethnic cleansing of Palestinians um, on the map. It's like entire territories of Palestinian land that are just incredibly tiny compared to um, the surrounding areas that belong supposedly to Israel. Um, So that's why we have to stand in solidarity with the occupied against the occupier. Mm. Awesome. And Aja, before we just like before we let you go, just one last question. What do you think listeners can do to support at the moment? What's other than uh, obviously it's also great for them to go and learn about history, but what else can listeners do to support? Yeah, well I think um the one thing obviously you can do to support is um continue to um you know, gain the knowledge you need to acquire to argue um, why Palestinians deserve, um, you know, the right to their land back. Um, continue to, um, yeah, read about the history um, and we need to continue to come out into the streets and let our uh, government know that we are not going to, um, yeah, like let the status quo go by without wanting or at least trying to change the narrative when it comes to everything that's being said in the media about Palestinians and um, our right to resist. So, yeah, we have a protest coming up uh, next Sunday 
at 12 p.m. State Library. So that's a good way to show your support. Oh, yep. So, uh, Haja, could you repeat again where is the protest happening? So, um, 12 p.m. State Library, Melbourne, um, in the CBD. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Haja. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was Haja Riyad, who is a long-time Palestinian activist and also a staunch advocate for Palestinian liberation. Haja has also been involved in several campaigns for climate, refugee and indigenous rights be discussed about the Israel-Hamas war and what this means now for the Palestinian people and why it's important to stand with the Palestinian people. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM. Three CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. Three CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers, and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at Three CR. To find out more, go to three cr.org.au and get in touch. Family is a not-for-profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones including parents, siblings, extended family, and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. We offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation, and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. This November, the Australian National Academy of Music presents a festival celebrating the music of pioneering American composer George Crumb. Across four thrilling performances, Crumb's dynamic and engaging music will be paired alongside music by Igor Stravinsky, Thelonious Monk, Edgar Varese and more from the 23rd to the 25th of November at Abbotsford Convent. Find out more and book your tickets at anam.com.au. The Australian National Academy of Music is a 3CR supporter.
wanna see is the person looking back at you really on track are you really on the path to where you wanna be doing out a new only know me i ain't in the coma i really don't sleep i ain't even tripping every minute that i'm living i'm a kid on the rhythm we can keep it low key i said ooh, you got me feeling myself now I put it on you cool hell i said ooh, you got me feeling myself now I put it on you And that was called Cool as Hell. And yeah, that marks the end of our show for today. How are you feeling, James? I feel pretty good. That was a big show. That mm-hmm. was a good show. Intense topics from you, the Refinderum. You did very well. Thank you, James. You did very well, too. It's a big topic for both of us, a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't shy away from the big topics here on Monday Breakfast. We, uh, we do our best to cover them. <laughs> and we do our best to get... Get stuff out. Get it. Get it there. Let people know, even though it's an early Monday morning. But hopefully, this is a good something they all can digest. So yeah, what are you looking forward to the week ahead, James? The week ahead. Whoa. I haven't really thought about it too much after the weekend. But I think after this show, I'm going to get a croissant. Oh. I Croissants think, are really expensive, do yeah, you reckon? Yeah. yeah, and as someone who's on uh, welfare, it's probably not the best financial decision. But I think I've I think I've earned it. A friend said you should treat yourself after every radio show, so mm. I think I'm going to do that now. <laughs> How about you, Grace? Well, I'm as I mentioned this morning. Uh, this week is crunch time for me. Yeah. I'm just going to be sleeping in the library, I think, most of the time for this week because I just really need to get my stuff through. But I also think that I should treat myself yep. after this um, yes. because I cut off sugar yesterday because I really think I've been t- in taking too much sugar. So I always tell myself, okay, the next day I'm just going to make sure that I don't take anything that's sweet, too, relatively too sweet. So... Today, I'm going to get that again because I just love sugar. And yeah. probably not a croissant though because croissants are not sugary enough. So yeah. 
But yeah, that's all our show for today. Yeah. And we're looking forward. Stay tuned for next week. And You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.